Cool. Um, welcome to the 5.30 service. Uh, today is exciting. We had baptisms, uh, a baptism earlier today, so that was fun. Uh, and this evening we are doing a Focus Sunday service, so we're going to be looking at our vision for this year and what is to come in 2023. So if you all want to stand and join us as we worship.
to the altar. The Father's arms are broken wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Yes. 
we can have musicians yeah you can sit there <laughs> to come up here and perform for us and lead worship um for those who don't know first time here we do a chair meeting every friday night up uh, i do that every time sunday 5:30 night service we uh get to get to know someone in the church a little bit better um i believe have you come up before chanel i'll take a seat yes no no you haven't okay good uh, because also Chanel is doing something else. Would you like to explain what you're doing soon? Oh, yeah. So this is my second last Sunday here at SDBC after being here for the past 18 years. And I will be moving to Melbourne to, for my graduate job. Yeah, wow. So uh, big stuff. So we're interviewing um, Chanel before she uh, goes off to Melbourne. And um, so Chanel... Uh, you said, you've already said you've been here for 18 years. Can you tell me what your journey with God has been like and, um, and also maybe some stuff you've done here at the church as well? Mm, so, yeah, how my journey with God has been like. I think, yeah, I grew up going to church. I think this is the first church which I have, like, solid memories of because I don't think you really remember much before you're four anyways. Um, I still remember Sunday school being in the activity centre um, and, yeah, Ros and Coralie Lowe being my Sunday school teachers back when I was four. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, going into, um, going into kids' church and I still have memories from that. I still have this one memory of when we were learning about, like, the Ten Commandments and how they were like, do not steal and everything. And I was like, oh, maybe I should stop, like, taking my sister's things while she's sleeping as a... <laughs> As a seven-year-old, yeah, I didn't expect to share that tonight. Well, anyways, 
Um, so even as a kid, you're feeling <laughs> convictions, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that was like one solid heart conviction I had back then at that age and um, had the understanding of. And then I yeah, went through youth here, um, not regularly until year 10. And then I asked myself, why am I not? And then I realised I can only invite my youth friends along if I'm regularly going myself. And so I started doing that and brought my non-Christian friends along, which was, yeah, really great. Um, I guess opportunities come and go and they didn't end up regularly coming to church or becoming Christians or anything like that. But it was important at, for that for me to see at that age that um, not everything will bear fruit, but everything has its right time. And... Yeah, and I've been coming to church ever since and have been part of my uni Christian group, which has been really fruitful. Um, yeah, round of applause, why not? <laughs> um, how can, can I ask, uh, how did you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? I think I remember in year seven, back at youth, I was kind of was just going along with it. It was fun enough. Um, and then Caitlin, my small group leader, asked us, well, she didn't ask us, she told us that we have to take Christianity seriously and we were all pretty unresponsive. And I think then I was, like, drilled into about, like, it's a life or death thing. And from there, I think th I, think I did. Like, I think that was a bit of a wake-up call and I started to pay more attention to God and what he was trying to, like, tell me and stuff through the Bible. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really uh, good. And, um, and do you mind explaining why, why you're going to Melbourne? <laughs> oh, I'm going to Melbourne for, yeah, for work. Um, but I think, yeah, even deeper past that, I got the chance earlier last year to go to Europe. And after watching our little promo from European Christian Mission and how, like... I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never thought about Europe deeply, about how there are churches there, but they're just used as museums. They're all empty. Um, and Europe is so like hostile and post-Christian that they won't even want to hear about Jesus. Um, and when people talk about Melbourne, there are a lot of similarities in that, that Melbourne is progressive and they embrace diversity. So theoretically, they should embrace like your Christian upbringings and all of that, but they're hostile against it. And I think um, I've also been really challenged by, I mean, really surprised by how when I ask people about what churches to go to, they name like three and that's kind of it. Um, and so I think there is, like, such a great need there. Like, there's need everywhere, but I think God has really paved the way for me to go there because of work, but also because he has, like, a greater plan for me. And he's done that so clearly and faithfully up until this point. And I'm just, yeah, excited to be there and continue being a Christian there. Wow. Yeah, so, and um, is there any particular... Uh, evangelical things you want to get into when you go to Melbourne or you just waiting to see what God has in store for you? I think it would be good to settle in first and not just like come in with like guns blazing and be like, right, I'm going to lead a Bible study here. We should like start this mission and everything like that. I think it's like important to be humble and to know that I'm just a uni grad um, who doesn't know very much, has never really like 
who has experience of being in ministry and everything like that, but I'm not someone who's, like, grown up in that church and knows all the people and, like, all the issues. And um, I think each church has, like, their own set of variables that are, like, really deep-rooted and, like, hard to get into, especially if the church has been there for a long time. So I'm just... I want to just, like, sit back for a little bit, maybe a year even, um, and see how I can, like, help out and be led by God through prayer and not just, like jump into everything right, yeah probably not a good idea to rush into anything really um but um do do you mind if i pray for you to wrap up okay uh heavenly father i'd like to thank you for chanel and all that she's done for this church as she's grown up here lord and uh, i thank you that you've uh, made her into the um strong faithful woman she is today lord and um Lord, I pray that when she goes off to Melbourne, uh, that she follows you wholeheartedly, Lord, and um, uh, is fervent in prayer and uh, always looking for your guidance, Lord. Um, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Chanel. Isn't it good to hear the story, what God does in people's life? I've appreciated your service to the church during my time here, Chanel. Um, this evening, I've got the opportunity to lead you in prayer. You realise what chapter we're up to in Jonah? Chapter 3. Have you read chapter 3? Wow. They were a wicked mob, weren't they? God holy and righteous, and here we are, Perfect. Even Charlie's laughing. Uh, so so can, I, can I say, sometimes we take on an attitude of Jonah in the midst of others. Would you recognise with me the holiness of God? Uh, but this is what he says in Hosea. For I am God and not man, the holy one in your midst, and I will not come to destroy He's got a grace. And I want us to, to pray with an understanding of grace in the nature of our relationship. Do you need grace? Oh, don't we need grace? Do we measure ourselves against others at all? Maybe. What does God want us to do? To not measure others or ourselves. To live by the truth of grace. Let's pray in that context. Let me lead you and provide opportunity for that. Um, Our God, we come into your presence and sometimes I'm just amazed at trying to even think about who you are. I can't comprehend the the depth of this universe. Uh, How can it be that the creator of something that's beyond uh, comprehension or understanding can come to be not only uh, a father to me, uh, but one who loves me despite my own wickedness. We're amazed that you, the Holy One, the Righteous One, uh, love us so much that you didn't come to destroy us. You came in order that we might have life. And you made that possible because of your deep love for us in the Lord Jesus. Almighty God, we find it hard to comprehend that the, the eternal one, uh, Father, Son and Spirit, can exist 
beyond time, and yet in the, the mystery of what we've read in your word, the son who becomes man uh, dwells in all of the sinfulness that this world is, the filth and the muck that comes out of every word that is said, the intentions of the evil heart of mankind, and yet was willing to humble himself and live in that with all the frailty of humanity in order that there might be hope for us. We're amazed. Uh, we're amazed that you, in your good and perfect purposes, would allow such a thing, not only allow such a thing, but, but commit to such a thing that you might be our Heavenly Father and that our Lord Jesus, the Saviour and the Eternal One at work in our life by your Spirit now is able to change us little by little to be like him. We're astounded, astounded that you would do such a thing. And we want to ask, Father, your forgiveness. Uh, we don't stand here in any self-righteousness. We don't look at the things that have been done or others have thought have been done because we know that without you, there's nothing that we can do. Uh, we recognise the, the truth that uh, all of our righteousness is, is filthy rags. And it's only when we are dependent, uh, obedient, listening and doing the simple things that you ask that there is anything that will be accomplished for eternal purposes through our life. And I want to say thank you for the young people here. Thank you for Chanel. Thank you for those who uh, today have served this church in worship, service after service after service. Bless you for that heart. And I pray, Father, that there'll be an encouragement to them of what you might do as their life continues to be surrendered to you. And Father, for us who are a bit older, uh, that you might continue to reveal that every moment with you is a moment that can impact eternity forever. And so as we spend this time in prayer, uh, we recognise that you can use ordinary people like us to change the lives of others in ways that are profound. And so we want to uh, take a moment and ask your forgiveness for the things that we recognise your spirit is bringing to our attention uh, throughout this week. And Father, we don't want to hang on to uh, any of those uh, ill feelings that we've had or the, the things that we've done that take us away from you. We want to rest in the wonder of your forgiveness. And we say thank you for that. We're amazed that you have removed our sins and thrown them as far as the east is from the west, never to be encountered again by you for us. Thank you for that. That all the failures and all the sin of the past once committed to you, removed, never to hinder our relationship with you again. Bless you for that. And Father, we're thankful. We live in a privileged society and, and we're sorry that, that we take these privileges as our rights, uh, the, the wonderful uh, land of Australia of which we're a part. And we're sorry, Father, that despite the privileges we haven't always acted in a way which is for your glory. And we've allowed the, the systems of our society to govern our choices. Um, 
Would you help us to live within this nation, aware of the privileges, but look to you for the blessing that comes by simply being obedient and sensitive to you. Help us to do that, whether it's at work or at uni, or whether it's in our studies, or whether it's um, as we go about our retirement, whatever it might be. We want to be an agent of yours for the glory of your name. I want to say thank you for this church at Sunnybank. Thank you for what has happened in its life over its time. Thank you for the, the early beginnings, the faithful people that you raised up through it. And I thank you for the new people that you're continuing to bring and bring to yourself for the baptism that we saw this morning. Thank you for that. Thank you that you can change any life at any time and as they depend upon you to shape and mould them to become more and more like Jesus. Uh, we're part of a bigger group of people, Baptist churches throughout Queensland. And uh, this evening, Father, we want to pray for the church at LifePoint and pray for Phil and the team there as they work through all that is required in uh, repairing the building. We recognise that you haven't hurt the church at all, that the people of God will grow. The real church will grow out of this uh, challenge that's come through the flames and the fire. We pray that you'll do something quite miraculous in the growth of the church there because of this test. And we commit them to you and pray for wisdom that comes from above as they take each step along the way. We thank you, Father, that throughout this nation, whether it's in a clear place like here tonight or in little homes, there are people who love Jesus who are gathering together to worship and honour you. Bless you for that. Thank you that we're, we're part of a much wider group of people throughout this world. That there are millions and millions and millions of people who love Jesus and are trusting in him for their destiny. We bless you for that. We thank you that it's not just about us, but your plan and purposes for all of humanity. Father, we want to say thank you for those that you've given to help guide and direct this church. I want to pray for some of them now. Take a moment to pray for those that are in your area. Whether that's pastors, whether that's children's workers, whether that's youth workers, whether it's people who help uh, in simple servant ways, in administration. Take a moment now. And Father, in a short time, not only will Charlie bring a word, but there'll be a focus and an understanding of where the church is directed by you for this coming year. We thank you for clarity of vision and a heart that knows its mission. And we pray that uh, each of us will be those surrendered to you for how you'll use us in the everyday of life throughout the coming weeks and months and this year. So we want to take a moment just to dedicate ourselves to what you have for us for all that lies ahead. And my prayer, Father, is that we might be people of grace who walk humbly with you and equally humbly with one another. May we not be those who seek to measure one another through our own standards, but see each other as you see us and the wonder of redemption that comes because of Jesus. May we be an encouragement 
to one another to point them to you with grace and truth. And we pray it, Father, not for ourselves, not for the, this church to get bigger, but for your name to be honoured and glorified. Might be that you will know the heart of each of us is for you. Amen. Please stand and join us as we continue to praise our God and song.
Good evening. Tonight's Bible reading comes from Jonah chapter 3, reading from the NIV. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by, go- by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, uh, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took, a, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let, him gi- let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Amen. Thank you so much, Josh. Well, good evening and welcome. It is good to have you with us. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I'm Charlie. I'm one of the pastors here at SDBC, and uh, I will be bringing you the word from Jonah this evening. So uh, we've got a few things that we are going to be dealing with tonight. And tonight uh, is our Focus Sunday. We have been celebrating Focus Sunday all throughout the day. Pastor Darrell brought the messages this morning and uh, you heard that we had that baptism. Uh, It was great to um, be able to share with young... Can I have this turned down, please? This just ain't going to work. Um... To, to share with those people who are from Doomagy and are down here for medical treatment. So uh, it was great encouragement to be able to do that uh, with them this morning. So. It's okay, we'll get there. Things are sent to try us, aren't they? So just while I'm fluffing about with all these bits of paper here, I might as well mention this one. We have a new connection card. You're aware of the connection cards. Uh, We want you guys to familiarise yourself with this because everything we do within the church is tied to these cards. If you meet a new person in the church, the first thing they should do is fill one of these out. So you can go and grab them. They're at the post there in the entry and you can say please fill this out and drop it in the box when you're done and uh, there's all sorts of questions on here that they can just tick and flick Uh, I want to know more about Jesus I want to know about uh, SDBC I want to become a member of SDBC I want to join a connect group that's an important one Uh, I want to serve at SDBC I want to know more about baptism then on the back um, you can actually just fill in any requests you have so if you've got prayer requests if you'd like someone to come and visit anything like that can be filled in on the back you can mark that private and confidential it'll only go as far as the pastors if you do that but we would love you to familiarize yourself with this because this is key to us being able to connect with new people within the church and um, those who may be visiting and require help as well Well, what is our mission statement here at SDBC? In reality, our mission statement is no different to anyone else. It's just the words are a bit different. The actual outworking of it is the same. Anyone can tell me? 
Yeah, I think Margie had it. <laughs> Working with God in transforming people into passionate followers, followers of Jesus. Is that a new thing up the back? I'm liking that. Yeah, that's cool. Good on yous. That's sweet. Sorry, it's just I haven't seen that before and I really like it. Let me know if I've botched up on the next serve on, on the next slide or not. So that's our overall, overall vision and, um, sorry, our overall mission statement. And so we've been working through our vision statements as well. These are our vision statements. They're here. This will be at the door in future. They're on our connection card as well. So committed to God every day. These are things that we do every year. So committed to God every day. That's for each and every one of our believers within SDBC. Connecting with one another every week. That was our uh, purpose and vision for last year that we focused on. So this year, we're going to be concerned for others at every opportunity. This is speaking about our wider community. This is speaking about reaching out to those who are yet to know Jesus. And uh, I'm going to invite Pastor Trace up soon to talk about some of the things that we're going to do uh, in line with connecting like that. But before she does, I want to talk about a couple of things um, that I'll be helping with or responsible for or that I've introduced. And uh, one of those things is called the power of presence. We will be doing the power of presence uh, in the second term uh, of this year and the power of presence is about equipping you equipping you sorry to be able to um, proclaim the gospel on your front line wherever that is that could be in school it could be in your neighborhood it could be in the local shopping center it could be in a number of places in our community but we want you to be confident in sharing God's word with others in sharing that incredible saving grace that you've come to know so that they can come into the kingdom as well and so the power of presence will be about calling each and every believer to mobilise, to be active in their faith, to be reaching out to others and drawing them into the kingdom. Uh, I'll also be doing Master Life, so uh, I'm going to be doing book one in this first term. I've had a few people sign up for that already. Uh, I encourage you, if you want to be a part of Master Life, even if it's book two, three or four, there are others who are going to be doing those books, but I'm doing book one this term, uh, so please sign up for that. Uh, we'll also be doing Alpha this year. We're going to be doing two Alphas, uh, so might be still in a little bit of Pastor Trace's thunder here. So uh, we're going to do one face-to-face, -face, and again, we want you people to invite your friends, those who are not yet Christians, to come along, no obligations, just so they can hear the incredible story of Jesus and make an informed decision for themselves. So uh, we're going to do that twice the first one's physical the second one is actually going to be online pastor trace is going to lead that but we might do a physical one as well because we're going to have hundreds of people want to do it hey yeah yeah so we'll see how we go with that um in July, 22nd of July, um, there is a, a conference which is focused primarily on young adults being active in proclaiming the gospel in their community. It's called SENT and uh, it will be run by um, Bridgman Down Baptist Church and we'll be encouraging our young adults to be involved in that and to be involved in the SENT conference as well. So Pastor Trace, if you'd like to come up and uh, just share some of the things that uh, you'll be involved in this year as well. Yes. Oh, 
She's out there. Yes. Um, Yeah, hi, everybody. Um, I just want to highlight some of our ministries that we already do. So uh, this past week, our youth were off at youth camp, um, had a fantastic time, and uh, that is a great opportunity for young people to come into a safe environment, have a lot of fun, and learn about Jesus. Now, the reason I mention it is you may not necessarily be a youth, but we all know youth. Uh, We all live in suburbs where there are youth and you might uh, think to let other people know that we have that as a ministry. Likewise, very excitingly, our um, playgroup ministry is very, very open to inviting other people along into that space. They're being really, really intentional. Jess is here tonight. If you've got any any, um, questions about that, please see her or come and see me. But we all know families that have little kids and uh, it's a really great opportunity to invite people along. Same thing with kids clubs, same thing with boys and girls brigade. We have so many ministries that are open to others. So let's be really proactive in spreading the word because word of mouth is the best way for people to learn about these things that we offer. Another um, initiative this year is uh, last term we held a parenting night uh, towards the end of the year. Now, it's parenting slash grandparenting slash anybody who would like to come, uh, who would like to invest in the uh, next generation really intentionally. And uh, it is essentially an opportunity for us to come talk about a specific issue and be really well equipped in that and uh, support each other. So, really excited about that. Next Saturday, our Making Men's Ministry is hosting a family event. We're actually going to have a family event every term. That's really important for us as a church because not only does it mean that we get to gather together and enjoy each other's company, uh, but we have a space to invite other people to. So take that opportunity. Um, Anybody, all ages can come along to these things. So that's really exciting. Also, uh, put your hand up if you've ever done the Alpha Marriage course. Yes, and keep it up if your marriage really benefited from it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The Alpha Marriage course is brilliant. We ran it online last time, and the great thing about that is that it's really uh, that you can be vulnerable in your own lounge room just with your spouse. You don't need to come into a space uh, and uh, feel threatened in any way. But what it does is it means that as a church, we can invest in marriages in a meaningful way way and uh, you can let anybody know about this marriage course, spread the word and let other people know how important it is to invest in their marriages. So some of the exciting things that we're doing this year, so yeah, um, be excited about it because I, I anticipate God doing amazing things through these uh, avenues and I really feel like God has just been leading us as a whole pastoral team in this direction. So yeah, it's great.
Thanks, Charlie. And that's the abridged version. There are a lot of other things that are happening uh, which we're quite excited about. Um, if you are not serving at STBC at the moment, you've been here for at least six months, uh, we want to encourage you to be involved in serving as well. Uh, if you're already serving, uh, we're not saying you need to do something else. Please don't hear that. But uh, it would be great if every person in STBC was doing one thing. It would make the load so much lighter for everyone else. And uh, so we're having a sign-up over the next two weeks um, for volunteers to work within STBC to stand up for particular roles. If you think you're not gifted or talented, uh, I assure you we have a role for you. Um, as I said this morning, there's some of our ministries that just want people to hold babies. Who doesn't like holding a baby? I mean, seriously. Uh, if I could do it, I would. Uh, we've got some of our ministries that just want... Um, Mature people, I've got to pause every time I think about saying this, mature people, those grandparent type people, to step into a ministry to be nothing else but present so that they can be that mature influence um, with those young people. Some of those young people don't have two parents at home. They don't have grandparents that they can go to and they certainly don't have people with a spiritual influence upon their lives. So the very simple roles are some of those roles that we would like to be filled and uh, we encourage you to consider those over the next couple of weeks and sign up if you can. Uh, as I said this morning, morning too. If your particular gift and talent is skydiving and so you don't think you can be used here, put your name down anyway. Let us know. We'll find somewhere for you. Uh, I'll leave that in Tracy's hands. She can look after that. So when we think about being concerned for others at every opportunity, um, we must focus upon God. We must focus upon um, what scripture says about us as believers and what we should be doing. And so this year, um, what we're going to be focusing on is being God's chosen instruments. And so as we move through Jonah 3 this evening, I hope you'll see um, all that God has done in, through and around Jonah. And by the end of this chapter, uh, believe that God can do exactly the same thing through us here at SDBC if we are willing to humbly submit ourselves to him. Let's pause and pray. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that it challenges and instructs us. I thank you it is truth. It is absolute truth. And so, Father, because of that, we know we can trust it. We know we can trust you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just stir our hearts this evening to believe that we can again be like Jonah and do what he did with your empowering and strength, Lord. So speak through me this evening, I pray. Draw people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So last week I spoke about God's grace and we saw that even though Jonah tried to flee from God, God himself pursued Jonah. There was nothing that Jonah did that God would want to pursue him about except run, of course. There was no value that Jonah had where God said, if he gets away, we're done for. But this is God's grace. He, God pursued Jonah, rescuing him from certain death and ultimately setting him back on firm ground. And so I think as we're thinking about being God's chosen instruments, the first thing we have to acknowledge and believe is that we are recipients of God's grace. And first and foremost in our context, when we think about being recipients of God's grace, we have to have that encounter with Jesus. We have to have that stage in life where we first come to him and realise that we need a saviour. And when we realise we need a saviour, we're acknowledging our sin, we're humbling ourselves before him, we're saying, Lord, I got it wrong, please forgive me, I want to live for you, please be my Lord and saviour. And we choose to follow him. 
And it's a choice that when we make it, if it's genuine, our lives can never be the same again. We're born again. Born into a new life with Christ. Born into a life that no longer wants to live the way we once did. But we want to pursue him. We want to live lives that are pleasing to him. We want to submit to him. So in context with the passage we're reading, Jonah had experienced God's grace. But he fled from God's call. And Jonah did what he believed was best for him. And he failed to obey God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been called by God to do something and you've decided not to do it? You've decided to do your own thing? And it seems so often we mess up when we've done those types of things, when we've run away from God, when we've disobeyed him, we we believe that voice that tells us that God will not forgive us. God has no place for us in his kingdom anymore. That what we have done is too evil or too bad, so not what a Christian should do. But the beautiful thing is, the God we worship is a God of second chances. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Because you see, Jonah had repented and he had made vows to God. He had said he will do and make good what God has told him to. That's what Jonah did, but would God actually use him again? And so Jonah is spewed up from the fish. He goes off and he is somewhere. We don't know where he is. We don't know what he's doing. But the answer is obviously God will use Jonah. We know that. And so in order for Jonah to be used by God, he first had to repent. He had to humble himself. He had to be restored. And in order to be restored, God had to let him know that God still had a place for Jonah in his bigger plan. And so here God is calling Jonah and he's validating Jonah's life for him. He's saying, you are still my servant. And as we read through scripture and get to know God and his ways more and more, we appreciate that God is more concerned for his workers, he's more concerned for the individuals than he is for the work that needs to be done. He had a call upon Jonah's life and Jonah ran and yet God pursued him rather than fulfilling the work that needed to be done. God is concerned for each and every person who is his worker. And I'm sure that when Jonah ran, God wasn't happy. I'm sure of it. I'm sure God would have preferred Jonah to do what he was asked to do in obedience. And yet, God never deserted him. God sent a storm, which slowed Jonah down. He commissioned a fish to save him from the deep and they told the same fish to spew Jonah up onto the land. And all of these things were not so pleasant things. And yet, in hindsight, you can see God's thumbprints all over it, can't you? We know that that is what God did, and it's true in our own lives as well. The most difficult times we often look back on and see God's thumbprints. And God constantly lives out what is told to us in Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I know sometimes it feels like God has left us. 
I think Jonah might have felt that more than us. Drowning in the ocean, swallowed by a fish, stuck in the stomach. But clearly God was always with him. And he'll always be with us too. And we, like Jonah, are God's chosen instruments. But as his instruments, we must act in obedience. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then we must be willing to seek God and his specific instruction for us in our lives. He will commission us in the work that we should be doing. And there are commands that all of us should be obeying. Matthew 28, we are called to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that God's commanded. We should look for ways to fulfill that. But we should always be praying for guidance in our other decisions as well and then acting upon what God says. Jonah is told in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call against it the message that I tell you. This is a call to immediate and urgent action. We don't know where Jonah was and we don't know what he was doing, but he's called to go. And what is interesting here is that God doesn't tell him what to say. He's waiting for Jonah to go. And so Jonah's just got to be obedient. He's been told to go and he should go. And once he goes, God will give him further instruction and tell him what to do. And so often that's the case for us where God just gives us the next step to do. And he's waiting for us to be obedient with that. And when we're obedient with that, he gives us more responsibility, more instruction and guides us in the way that we should go. It should be obvious to all of us that when God calls us to a, da- a task, we need to obey. Jonah's called to go, and so he goes immediately. He worked with what he had, and we're called to do the same. God will instruct him further. So Jonah went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord, of what he'd received. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And all Jonah had was God's word, God's command to go. But for him, that was enough now. And so he obeyed and he went. And on this occasion, he appears not to have hesitated with the task that is before him. He doesn't balk at going. But let's put this in context. Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. That that phrase is speaking about its population, but it's also speaking about the acts of evil that occurred in Nineveh. There are conflicting estimates on just how many there were, but the 120,000 that are mentioned later in Jonah are actually children. And so there's a number of different ways they multiply out what the real population would have been. So it was at the very least at that time 600,000 people and up to 1.1, 1.2 million. So realistically, this is like saying, Liam, get up, mate, go to the Gold Coast, Tell them about the wickedness that has come up against them. The Gold Coast is about the size of Nineveh. Can you get that in your heads now? And we're sending Liam. Praise God, it's him that's going. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to worry about it. I mean, what a task. How enormous. And Liam's not going, of course, because it was Charlie that said it, not God. Good on you, bro. And so they were great in number. It was a huge city. It was a massive city. But they were also exceedingly great in their evil acts. 
They beheaded their enemies, and that was the kind punishment. They used to skin them alive. They'd put them on stakes and let them suffer slow, agonising deaths. They were known for committing the most horrendous acts of violence. Go on, Liam. You go. We're not. Knowing this, Jonah still went. And what we saw earlier in chapters 1 and 2 was that Jonah was ruled by fear. He was ruled by his self-preservation. He was ruled by his own personal preferences. But something's changed. And so now he's ruled by the word of God. His actions and what he is doing is according to what God says. As, as was said in verse 2. And so he proclaims the message that he has been given, the word that he has been given consistently. And he walks through the city and calls out that same message in the market, in the beggar's quarter, in the neighbourhood streets, and in the vicinity of the palace. Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. One man sent to a million exceedingly violent people. And this is what he's told to say. I don't think this is everything he said. Um, when we read the accounts of people who have been in Wales and those types of things for a period of time, um, their skin gets bleached. Um, so I'd imagine that even if that didn't occur with Jonah, that he didn't look the way he did before the encounter with the fish. And so he's walking through proclaiming this, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And people say, well, man, what happened to you? And he says, well, yeah, God told me to do something and I ran away from him and this fish swallowed me and then spewed me up and told me to come here. Oh, which God? Oh, the God that said this? Oh, I think they'd be a little bit worried. In my flesh, and my own strength, I, I can't do what Jonah's been called to do. I don't think any of us can. It takes an incredible person to be able to do that. I don't have that level of faith. But I think this is the greatest thing about our God. Remember again, he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. And he says in Mark 13, 11, that we're not to worry about what we say beforehand when we're brought to trial or delivered over uh, to the authorities. Because he's going to give us whatever is needed in that hour to, save, to say. Sorry. And it's not us who are speaking, but it's Holy Spirit speaking through us. And you might say, well... Jonah wasn't arrested, he wasn't on trial, he wasn't brought before the authorities, but isn't it the same? And when we think about our own walk and the reasons why we don't tell people about Jesus, isn't it because we fear persecution? And that's what's happening here. I think the principle applies. The promises of scriptures tell us that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us and the power of Holy Spirit will give us the words we need to speak. Are you going to mess up sometimes? Sure you are. Are you going to have to reassess the way you do things from time to time? Of course. But that's all about the learning process. 
But the confidence to actually speak, the confidence to step up, that comes from God. We are God's chosen instruments. And I believe as God's chosen instruments, when we humbly submit ourselves to him, with him, working with him, the miraculous happens. If I called Liam up here, I said, Liam, a few weeks ago, mate, we sent you to the Gold Coast. We told you to go and uh, speak to those people. Tell us how it went. Guys, every one of them came to faith. Or what? One, two, three? No, everyone. Everyone on the Gold Coast is now a Christian. It's like, really? Really? How, man? But... We stand there and we think that's unrealistic. We think the task is too great. Sometimes when we even talk, think about talking within our workplace, we think that's just so difficult. I don't know how to talk to these people. They are so worldly. I know they're not going to like me saying things about Jesus. And so we make all these excuses as to why we can't do it and why it can't be accomplished. I mean, it's okay for Charlie. He's in a place where they're all Christians when he talks about Jesus. It's different in my workplace. And here's this one man, Jonah, God's chosen instrument sent to proclaim this confrontational message to the most violent city in the world. A million people, all out for blood. One man. And the people of Nineveh believed. find this astounding it's incredible not only did they believe they they repented oh sorry wrong verse what's going on here this is what I should have been checking up the back eh yeah no something's gone wrong here yeah sorry lost it so these these people believed Um, let me get it here And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. These guys are repenting. You know what's really amazing here? Jonah didn't need to tell them their sin. Jonah didn't need to tell them how evil they were. As soon as this was proclaimed, as soon as they were told God's judgment was coming, they examined themselves and they knew what they had done wrong. They knew what they should repent of. That's God's work, not Jonah's work. And I don't know how their hearts were stirred, but it was all of them. From the greatest to the least, that verse says. In fact, we're told in verse 6, the word... Oh, that's you guys? (laughs) The word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. The word reached the king. The word that God had given Jonah to proclaim and which he obediently did. When it came to the king, he heard Jonah's message and he heard how his people were responding and he was in complete agreement. He steps off his throne. He humbles himself. He dressed in the attire of deep mourning, indicating true humility and true repentance. Isn't it amazing when we read about humility in Scripture, when we read about cities humbling themselves, everyone is on a level playing field. 
Everyone is wearing the same thing. Everyone is doing the same thing. There is no king, there is no pauper, there is no educated, there is no uneducated. Everyone is on a level playing field. If we want to be a powerhouse for God in this place at SDBC, we need to humble ourselves so we are a level playing field. We don't think more or less of anyone else. We're all in this together. We're all believers following the Lord Jesus Christ, doing what he's called us to do. And we're told the king called his advisors or his nobles. Sweet guys. And this is a decree which was most likely initiated by these nobles and they went to the king and he endorsed it. They've taken the word very, very seriously that they've heard and the kings and the nobles want everyone in the city to take it seriously. So they issue this decree. And they cry is to call out mightily to God, to be relentless, constant, genuine in calling out to him and to turn from your evil to him. Don't just say sorry. Don't just use words. Actually stop what you're doing. Those things that are wrong. Stop it. Don't just stop it. Turn away from it. Change your mind towards that thing which you once did. Consider it to be abhorrent and terrible. And you know what? Maybe, who knows, God may turn and relent from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. This great city is being confronted by their evil. They recognize it for what it is and they realize that they're under judgment of this righteous God and and they deserve what's coming they've acknowledged it and yet in humbling themselves and in turning away from their evil they hope that God may see they are genuine and that he will turn from his righteous anger and not carry out the judgment he's proclaimed for them because our God is a God of grace a God of forgiveness a God of second chances and look what he says in Jeremiah If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. God will relent. He has declared for a person, a people, a city, a nation, if they turn from evil, he'll relent. It doesn't matter so much about what is said the words of apology and sorry that is used but it's an attitude of heart it's an acknowledging that our behavior is counter to what god would have for us i have to decide it's no longer my way but god's way and i have to change my mind towards the sin i commit acknowledging it's vile and filthy in god's sight i have to stop doing it i have to stop thinking about it And if I or a nation does that, then God will relent, just as he says in Jeremiah, and just as he does in Nineveh. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So what's this got to do with our present situation, and what's it got to do with where we're headed this year? I don't know about you, but when I stand in God's presence in glory, I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
is that you? Because I so desperately want to hear that. So the question for each one of us is, which part of the Jonah story are you? Are we in chapters 1 and 2 where we're rebelling against God and his call on us and we're running away from that call, we're not doing what he's called us to do, we're not being obedient, still wrestling with him? Uh, Are we in the chapter 3 stage where God has called us to do something we willingly step up regardless of the odds and we're empowered and equipped to do such things? If, if you are in that stage one or two, chapter one or two, I want you to think about the God we worship. This is a God of second chances. This is a God who is gracious and forgiving. And you may have run from God. You, must have, you may have been disobedient to him, but he hasn't left you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And what God's doing, he's waiting for you to stop running and notice that he's been there constantly the whole time. And he's just waiting with open arms to welcome you back and to empower you and equip you again. Be like Jonah. Stop running. Turn from your sin. Change your mind regarding that sin and ask God to forgive you. I know there's people who think the sins they've committed are so evil, so bad that they can't possibly be forgiven. They're rendered useless for God's use as his chosen instrument. I'm asking you now to stop believing that lie because that's exactly what it is. It is a lie and it's a lie of the devil. He doesn't want you to return to God. He doesn't want you to have a relationship with him. So he tells you you suck. He tells you how bad you are and you believe it. Read the promises of scripture and claim those for yourself. God pursued Jonah and he's pursuing you. I want you to think about, too, Saul in Acts 9. You know, this is a guy who was persecuting the church. This is a guy who was killing people, imprisoning them, simply because they followed Jesus. And he had this incredible encounter with Jesus. Um, some say they get, he got knocked off his horse. I like saying that. And, and there was this bright light and this voice came and said, Why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And, and Saul is blinded. He's led uh, into Damascus and God goes to Ananias and says, Ananias, I want you to go to Saul. And Ananias goes, God, do you know who this guy is? This is the guy who's killing your people. This is the guy who's in prison. And God says, hey, Ananias, if God ever said this, I think he might have. Chill, mate. Just chill. He says to Ananias, go. Go. For he, Saul, is a chosen instrument of mine. This man who'd done so much evil, so much bad, God's chosen instrument. Think of the people of Nineveh. The, they potentially committed greater evil than any other city, and yet they repented. And God forgave them. And it's just incredible when you think about it. And their turnaround was so great, so amazing. 
And these guys are so faithful that there's going to come a time when they will judge others. Luke 11, um, verse 32. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. This is the season we live. We live in that season of something greater than Jonah. We have experienced the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's promised Messiah. And so I want to say perhaps you are struggling as a Christian and sometimes you feel the task is too great. There's too much for you to do. You don't think you have the ability to do or say whatever God is calling you to do. And you're right. 100%. You can't do it on your own. And that's why you must humble yourselves, submit to God and ask him to help you. Remember, when Jonah was called to go to Nineveh the second time, he was only called to go and he went. He didn't know what message he was going to be proclaiming. He went, trusting that God was going to tell him what to say. If what we're doing is a work of God, he's not going to leave us hanging. He's going to encourage us. He's going to equip us. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to give us the words to say. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. In our workplace, in our home, in our shed, in our neighbourhood, in our university, in our sporting organisation. He is constantly with us. Constantly. If you tonight decide to declare, you will do what God has called you to do. He will be with you. And again, you're going to mess up. Sometimes. You're going to feel like a failure. Sometimes. But the work's not done by us. Do you think God needed Jonah to go to Nineveh? Not on your life. But he chose to use Jonah. God doesn't need us to do the work now, but he chooses to use us. He wants to use us. He wants us involved. He wants us to understand the joy of bringing people into the kingdom and showing Christ's love to them. What happened in Nineveh was a work of God. Jonah was called to be obedient, be a part of it, and he did. But God did the rest. God's desire was to use Jonah, but his desire is to use us too. If you've experienced God's grace, his incredible forgiveness, you should be changed, and your life cannot be the same after encountering him. And because you know how lost you were, because you know how bad you were, and now you know how forgiven you are and this incredible hope you have, you should be concerned for others at every opportunity who are yet to know Jesus. Amen? Will you ask God to forgive you and equip you to fulfill his commission, however he chooses? Will you be God's chosen instrument in this place at this time? Let me close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for Jonah. I thank you that you so clearly reveal to us that he was your chosen instrument at that time. And there's many other people and examples in Scripture, Lord, where you used men and women in powerful and mighty ways, Lord. And all they were were obedient. Lord, help us to be obedient like that. Help us not to limit your work because we think we can't. And Lord, that's no truer statement has ever been said because we can't, but with you we can. 
And so, Lord, I pray for each of us that we'll humble ourselves before you, that we'll submit our lives afresh to you, and that here at SDBC we'll see great and mighty things happen as a result. I pray this, Father, in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. Guys, uh, it's possibly a blessing that I haven't done any questions for this evening. Uh, we've gone well over time. I do apologise. But this evening, what I wanted you to do, I want you to gather with some people. I just want you to pray for each other. Simple prayers. Don't think you've got to pray great prayers. Just pray simple prayers and that you'll know the presence and power of Jesus in your life. And I want you to encourage people too. There's people here who have certain giftings and abilities that they may not even know they have. Maybe someone's encouraged you. Maybe someone's taught you something which is incredible. Maybe someone's just smiled at you every time you've walked in the church and that's been an encouragement to you too. Just share those things with each other. And more than anything, guys, if you've been challenged by Jesus tonight and you want someone to pray for you, please come down the front. I'm more than happy to pray for you and uh, work through any issues that you may have. God bless one and all. May the Lord be with you this week. May his face shine upon you. May he give you peace and may you know his presence and power. In Jesus' name, God bless. Thank you.